everybody, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television. It's great to have you back. My name is Sam Chung, coming back at you with another episode all about Prince Philip feeling worthless and emasculated. Uh, New Philip this time, though, because today we'll be talking about The Crown Season 3, Episode 7, entitled Moondust, and we have a lot to break down here. We finally meet Liz's other children. Apparently, Margaret either had a kid or just brings a random child around with her to different places. Um, And of course, we got the 1969 version of social distancing and proof that it worked. Uh, So joining me to break it all down are my two amazing co-hosts. First, a man in the midst of grading his life performance. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, what grade are you giving your life so far? Oh boy. Um, are we going with more of like a like Rotten Tomatoes critic score or audience score? I think they <laughs> oh. <laughs> is the difference the distinction being like what you would grade your life versus what an outsider would grade your life? Good question. I, I haven't even <laughs> thought that far ahead, but yeah, probably, right? I guess so, yeah. Or no, no, it would it would be like what would a panel of experts think of me versus uh, you know, a community of peers. And the who would the experts be? Like just life scientists? <laughs> I mean, don't they have like those like social clout scores in China? Like, isn't there 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 has to be some kind of system, some some standard of of metrics and grading for that, right? It would. I feel like it would just be like Indeed.com AI. What would Indeed.com AI give your life? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it depends if I uh, whether I'm stuffing my resume with certain keywords that it really likes. So you know, a lot of uh, you know action-oriented words instead of saying like you know managed, uh, you you say achieved, or you know instead of uh, you know saying maintained, you say improved. You know, just a lot of very like forward momentum. Well, you, verbs. You have that recruiting HR expertise. You could trick the AI. I feel like. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I have an unfair advantage. <laughs> so you're saying AI would give you like a high pass. The thing is, <laughs> uh, the utilization of AI and like HR and recruiting is wildly exaggerated. Like it, it's still a bunch of dumbass humans looking over those resumes. Oh, well, that's reassuring, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, but we didn't get a final grade. What is the grade? Oof. Okay. Um, oh, uh, I'm going to say... Critic score seventy six. A C. And audience score hmm, seventy three. Interesting. Okay, Ivan, don't sell yourself short here. You're having a great life. Uh, hey, C's get degrees. I've passed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Also back with us today, a woman who took all of her notes for today's episode on a silicon disc. It's Carlin Greenwald. Uh, Carla, what about you? How are you grading yourself above a D minus? <laughs> um, D minus is the bar to clear. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll grade myself above a D minus, but also for like that, my critic score, I feel like would be pretty high. Like I'll probably go in like somewhere in the eighties. And then I feel like my audience score it depends on what day and how much I'm complaining <laughs> to someone about my life. <laughs> it fluctuates. I, I know we have like a show to discuss, but I want to unpack this a little bit more first. <laughs> like, wh- wh- why do you think there's like that 10 point disparity? I don't know. I guess because I've achieved very um, objective life goals that are technically hard to do. 
that's all I got. I'm I'm confused how we <laughs> like, got like onto you have the a really critic score, you have a really like robust <laughs> investment portfolio, like uh, a, a line I, of heirs. Technically, yes, I do. I I was going more just off of um, career success, but I guess I actually have to wait and see how that plays out over the next few years. So let's I let's have it like that. Um, I am that Rotten Tomatoes thing where it says like they haven't gotten enough reviews like there isn't a consensus yet but like early reviews are good <laughs> okay yeah that's fair but like how many lives do you think you've changed that's how we're <laughs> defining it well like yeah again i don't know yet like i like, again like, my, like how my much things, positive impact have you made on this planet um according to my mom a lot so <laughs> there you go there you go yeah that's that's a high grade you've probably touched more lives than you think i've been in a positive way <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm in HR and recruiting, so I've probably detrimentally touched a lot of lives. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Just... Uh, what's this podcast about again? Yes. Cr- All right. We're talking about The Crown, Season 3, Episode 7, entitled um, Moondust. And guys, can I just say, before we even get into this, I'm pissed off. Why did this episode get an end card? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. As soon as it hit, I... I knew we would have some choice words for that. <laughs> what and is it wasn't even like a per- <laughs> it wasn't like even a particularly insightful one. Like we probably could have just like assumed that like okay, this is now going to be a thing on the Windsor estate. But no, instead like we it needed to like yeah, like beat us over the head with the fact that like oh yeah, this 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 is forever now. I'm even well, I'm just even more convinced now that Charles has never been back to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Why did we miss one last episode? It makes no sense. Where's um? Can we interview Peter Morgan just to get that answered? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we slide into his DMs? We're like, excuse Someone me. Someone needs to do it. Where's the end card on The Crown season three, episode six? <laughs> I, we, we we should put an end card uh, at, at the tail of this episode that says Peter Morgan never responded to their request. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. But on that note. Um, that leads us to our, you know, our disclaimer that we say at the top of every episode, which is that, you know, we're not historians. We don't know what happened. And as such, we rely heavily on these end cards to know what, <laughs> what is and is not true. So, you know, if you came here because you wanted some sort of clarity on that, we don't know, but it's in the end card. So it's true. Um, all right. So to get things kicked off, Ivan. Could you please give us a quick recap of The Crown, Season 3, Episode 7? Yeah, uh, so the year is 1969, and man is going to the moon. But you know who's not feeling over the moon? Prince Philip, um, who has entered kind of a midlife existential crisis. Uh, you know, he's starting to really kind of like reflect on, uh, you know, what he's achieved and, you know, how far he's progressed in life. And because it's Philip, he's, of course, very dissatisfied. Kind of in the lead up to the, uh, you know, Apollo mission to the moon, uh, Philip is, uh, well, there's a couple of things happening. So uh, first off, um, the 
I guess head priest or dean of the Windsor estate is getting really old and doing a very poor job. And so both Philip and Elizabeth agree it's time to bring in someone a little more youthful and energetic. And of course, uh, you know, in the crown, youthful and energetic means, you know, 60 years old. Uh, So we are introduced to a new uh, dean, uh, Robin Woods, uh, who's there to, you know, kind of kick the tires and and get the, uh, I don't know, parish church, whatever, in shape. Uh, And part of his uh, ambitions at the Windsor Estate are to kind of bring in um, a bunch of priests from across England um, who are, you know, kind of struggling and and sort of, uh, you know, also self-reflecting on the impact they're making, what they're learning, how they're growing as both human uh, human beings as well as uh, men of God, um, and get them together for kind of Socratic seminar-style discussions where they reflect and meditate and and grow as uh, you know children of God. Um, and Philip finds all of this pretty ridiculous, but he doesn't care. He's just like, "Yep, go ahead. Um, you know, have all of your your little chats, but you're not going to be as cool as these guys going to the moon." The moon mission happens, and Philip is just in complete awe of what he's seeing. Um, you know, he like clearly there's a sense of envy. Like uh, you know, he sees these men as gods and heroes and giants, and and he wishes to, uh, you know, experience the same sense of achievement and purpose, but but he doesn't. Um, and uh, later in the episode, he is coerced by uh, uh, Dean Woods to uh, attend one of these little gatherings of the priest just to pop uh, his head in and say hi, but he ends up getting kind of sucked into their, their, their discussion, and he goes off on a bit of a rant to the priest saying, like, what the hell are you guys doing here just, you know, talking a bunch of nonsense, uh, you know, about uh, you know your dwindling congregations and, you know, how you're not achieving any deeper clarity you're not doing anything get out there and do something like these guys uh, who went to the moon um and uh then uh a little while later uh Buckingham Palace is given the opportunity to host the astronauts once they've returned from Earth and are now doing a bit of a a multinational tour, a little bit of a victory lap, shaking hands and meeting people from across the world. Uh, So Buckingham Palace hosts them and uh, Philip orchestrates a private kind of 10 to 15 minute gathering with uh, the three uh, astronauts where he can sit down and ask them questions as pilot to pilot. Um, The day arrives. he sits down with them uh, in one of, I don't know what they're, the drawing rooms. Uh, I don't know what they're called. The rooms with the couches with very high ceilings in Buckingham Palace. And he starts to ask them questions and he's not really getting any profound or insightful answers. Uh, you know, the, the men are kind of a sort of mix of procedural, but also kind of like kind of fratty. Like, you know, they, the stuff that they're enamored by isn't necessarily as uh, transcendental as some of the stuff that Philip really wants to be discussing with them about uh, perspective and life and one's place in the universe. Um, so he leaves that meeting very uh, disillusioned uh, by uh, the, the men he has met and, and disappointed that they didn't end up being uh, what he had built them up to be in his mind. 
And then uh, at this point in the episode, we're given a bit of a plot twist where Philip enters the uh, conspicuously now empty bedroom of his mother who had been staying at Buckingham Palace. And it quickly dawns on the viewer and then is made very clear that she recently passed away, uh, which kind of explains why uh, Philip has been uh, in, in a bit of a funk uh, in part. Um, so he uh, goes back and seeks out uh, uh, the advice of some of these priests. And now he's, you know, much more... Uh, willing to kind of hang and discuss and, uh, you know, just commiserate with them. And uh, the episode uh, ends with a title card that tells us that, you know, he (laughs) was responsible for kind of maintaining this sort of scholarly priest program uh, at the Windsor estate for decades to come. And then, you know, Dean Woods ended up being one of Philip's best friends uh, for the remainder of his life. Um, And that is... uh, Season two, episode seven, Moondust. Season three, episode seven. <laughs> season three, excuse me. Yeah, I, although I mean, I do think Matt Smith could have done this as well. <laughs> In fact, I think we saw him go through similar crises, not to this magnitude. I don't think Matt Smith would have like experienced the resolution that uh, the Tobias Menzies aged Philip had. I, I don't think he had quite the the maturity and patience for where he ended up at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. You're saying you think Tobias Menzies might have real life experience that he can bring into his performance? No, no, no. I just mean the age Philip was during the Matt Smith years. I, I don't think really aligns with like uh, the the growth that this Philip is, is experiencing. Oh, for sure. I was talking about the actor. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm saying like the, the Matt Smith aged Philip does not go back to the, like, you know, the convent and have, uh, uh, you know, a conversation with the priest and, you know, it achieves enlightenment through patience and discussion. The Matt Smith Philip goes to the lunch club and, and gets up to some nefarious activities. Got you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Okay. So, yeah, I think there's a decent amount, not a ton to break down here because it's pretty much just Philip all episode. Uh, we don't get a ton from our other characters here. We do get some fun, like one liners from Margaret, I suppose, but for the most part, we're here. We're in Philip's hour of television and Philip is struggling. Uh, you know, he is himself a pilot as he really wants everybody to know. And so going to the moon has really captured his attention. And I think that as three Americans, we have, you know, been taught all our lives that Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and the other one are (laughs) are American heroes. And once again, the crown has taken an American hero and just pooped on them. (laughs) I kind of like these guys. I don't know. They they had the questions that I had, where it was like, how many rooms are there? And didn't yeah. they ask something about the corgis? Again, they I did ask so that. much stuff. Yeah, they're like, where did the dog shit? Where do you shit? <laughs> Again, that's to me, that's the exact quintessential. Like, they were unfettered and asked the questions that probably no one who visits the royal palace like ever does. So I appreciate that. You know, they're good. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah, can't, can't, can't knock them for that. I know. I I just wonder if this is how like every British person thinks about Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins. <laughs> like, I is there like an outside of America so. perspective on the astronauts? Would it I just mean, be that they're astronauts? <laughs> it, it also could just be that it was. It's this is 1969, and this is the coolest thing that has ever happened. 
We don't I mean, have 1969, that big year, right? The Beatles gave their last live performance. We had Woodstock. Uh, I think Ho Chi Minh died. Big year, 1969. Yeah, but they went to the moon. <laughs> That's it. Did go space to space is exciting. Space is always very exciting. <laughs> yes, yeah, space is exciting. Let's talk about uh, church because it's a big theme for Philip. Uh, a while ago, his mom tells him that he needs to find his faith again. How many episodes ago was that? Was that three episodes ago? Four episodes ago? Something like At that. At least that was uh, that was Bubbikins, right? Yeah, I think that was yeah. episode four. And he still has not found it, and so he's just really been lost. Yeah, I think that you can kind of. This episode moved a little bit slowly for me because you can feel where it's going, right, for the entire hour. Like, you know what's going to happen. And the entire time that he's meeting with these people, like, he meets with the priests and he's like, you guys are being too self-piteous. And meanwhile, we on the couch are like, but that's you. And then it takes him, like, another half hour to get there. So for me... It moved a little bit slowly. I don't know if you two agree. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was very noticeable like that this episode did not have a B-plot. Uh, Philip was, I think, in almost every single scene, like minus a couple of like cutaway shots to like, you know, Prince Edward being awoken by his nanny. Like there, there was like, I don't think there was a single scene in this entire episode that focused on anything not involving Philip. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I think from a from a pacing uh, perspective, that that does pose a bit of a challenge. But I mean, I, I thought that they like maximized like the the content that they had here. Uh, I, I I think at this point, like on paper, the idea of an all Philip, one hundred percent Philip episode doesn't sound very thrilling. But I mean, th this one held my attention. Yeah, it had a very like it almost felt like we were watching a little movie where you could he had just such a clear arc that I thought was really well done. It had like a very cinematic feel to it that I felt was kind of different from the other episodes. With that said, there was definitely this like nagging feeling in the back of my head that like, where's Elizabeth? Where's Elizabeth? <laughs> this is the crown. Yeah. I mean, like Elizabeth really feels like more of a supporting character this season. Yeah, and it's wild because I there was that moment at the end where she was like, I really relate to the astronauts. And I thought that what she was going through was almost more profound than what Philip was. Like that it could there was an alternate take of this episode that was about her. Wait, what was she going through? Well, just like the idea that like she had reached a point where she totally understood like like it's it almost felt painful when Philip was like, These were like the most boring men I've ever seen. And she was like they're perfect for their jobs, and I'm the oh. same way. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah. But it's it's fine. Philip can go through his crisis, and I'll just see Elizabeth back there being like, my husband thinks I'm boring. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know. For me, it felt more like when Michael Adine was like, is 15 minutes enough? I'm like, yeah. For this episode, 15 <laughs> minutes probably would be enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that being said... Um, we do meet a couple interesting characters here. We meet Dean Rob, uh, Robin, is it Robin Woods? Robin Woods. Mm -hmm. Robin Woods. And Robin Woods is here to just shake things up. You know, there's been this very old Dean for a very long time, but he has, uh, to put it bluntly, met the moment of his own obsolescence. <laughs> Harsh. Yeah. He has no zest. <laughs> he, no he has zest. no zing. He has no, what other words did Michael Adine use? 
Uh, oomph. No pep. He has no oomph. Oomph. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is the one thing Elizabeth has learned is like how to replace old people because she didn't used to. Do, <laughs> she hasn't. She doesn't usually do that. And so Robin Robin Woods comes in and he has a vision. He wants to take one of the many old buildings uh, that exists on the estate and turn it into an academy for, I think, as as Philip calls it. It's an academy for blocked mid-level priests. And uh, that's just what he does. So I guess we, we don't... I, I, what do they do here? I'm a little bit confused. What, do they just sit and talk all the time? <laughs> I think well, it's group therapy. They, I don't know. They they haphazardly kick off their shoes and just leave <laughs> them in a complete state of disarray near the door. And yeah, then they just uh, you know sit around in a circle together and try to unblock. <laughs> hey, look, it's the '60s. People are learning about therapy that isn't Freudian based. Like, good good for this dean. He's ahead of the curve. Yeah. So. I guess my confusion is like, is it really like an introspection into like theology or it's just more like we're going to talk and hopefully you won't feel as inadequate after we're done. It, it sounded like mostly it was like, how do you better engage your congregations and like have passion for the word of God again? I don't know. I'm not Christian. I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> but we do see. So basically... 1969, the moon landing correlates to kind of like a shift in public thinking where fewer people are relying on religion for their source of faith. Uh, similarly, people are kind of turning away from the monarchy as like the end-all be-all of governance. And uh, Philip, in the same way, is feeling inadequate. And honestly, seeing some of his day-to-day -day life, it's pretty boring. <laughs> he mm -hmm. goes and makes speeches at what the wool textile plant yeah like the the, the dentures the facility concrete or whatever yeah I, I mean and that was such an effective like montage where like <laughs> after the the moon landing it just shows you know philip performing these duties and going to all of these like i don't know what they were union groups or you know like just very like bureaucratic type organizations and it's just like oh yeah like i can see what you mean philip like this stuff's boring what was up with that speech they had to make in the rain? Like, they couldn't go inside for that? <laughs> no. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> that, that was definitely for dramatic effect, I think. They're like, no, everybody stand out here in the rain so we can listen to Philip's speech. Terrible. Also, so this is something that I learned. Uh, when you practice for polo, you sit on a little wooden horse in a tiny cage. Yeah! <laughs> what was that? That was wild. <laughs> Like, I would be worried that, like, one of those balls would just kind of, like, ricochet back and hit me in the head. Or, or <laughs> yeah. is that not how it works? I I would assume so. I don't know. I feel like that's not, there's not enough simulation. Like, you need your little wooden horse to be, like, galloping along. Like, I would assume, okay, so in New York, at, like, one, like, upstate New York, at one of those, uh, it was, like, a horse racetrack museum. They had a horse stimulate, simulator to, like, simulate riding on a ra racehorse. <laughs> I assume they now have those. By the way, that was really scary. It it would really go like a mechanical bull. Sam, a moment because he's still laughing at horse stimulator. Sorry, oh, it was a Freudian horse. slip. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I whatever. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I assume they have those now, and um, it's 
play a full workout because that was actually painful. I mean, it seems like the stationary horse is painful too. Philip like hurt his wrist. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I was talking about how much it hurts your thighs, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Isn't it funny that like uh, when when Philip was describing like the the rut that he was in, he described like one of his uh, uh, like activities as like relentless over exercising. Yeah, that didn't seem like that. He used to do like military type like exercise routines on star the field. jumps yeah do some star right. jumps <laughs> but i just feel like, like if you're the if, star jumps now philip <laughs> like if you're in a rut like and and you're just you know not feeling like your best self like i, I there are probably like worse things that you can be doing than exercising that would be like deemed bad behavior like it's just like oh yeah i'm at my lowest point in life but i've never been in better shape i just think yeah it's interesting that he would think that for sure too. Yeah. All right, Philip. We didn't get to see you um, neglecting your duties to exercise. So, where's the proof? Okay. So the astronauts are going up to space, and Queen Elizabeth is tasked with giving them a message. I thought the message was generic. I was not impressed with the message. No offense, but I feel like a lot of her messages are generic. So this actually <laughs> felt perfectly on point to me. I don't she know. She didn't take astro- astronomy class. In, uh, in her brief, she doesn't know much about space. I don't know. There was just no personality behind it. It was just so like. I don't and then know. Phillip's like, yeah. one of your best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who else do we think gave speeches or gave messages to the astronauts? Like, who would they reach out to here? The president. So the president gives a, a message the to the United States of America. And the queen. Mm, the Beatles. The Beatles. The Beatles. Um, so the Queen and the Beatles both give. And Nixon. And, oh, gee. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume they're just not letting Russia do anything because, um, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, and they, and they just lost the space race. They're super bitter. Yeah, they yeah. would not give a message <laughs> to the end. They'd be they like, hope them you fail. Do a message? Like, oh, hey, geez. guys, um, can you can you send a message for uh, the Americans? That would that would be that would be like me, like telling Carlin, congratulations on like your 83 percent critic score. Elvis, do you think? Wait, Elvis is still alive at this point. Do you think Elvis yeah, would give is. a message to the astronauts? Um, uh, sure. I, I, something about Elvis feels a little too like, <laughs> you know, grounded to to the earth to 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 get involved in that kind of stuff. Oh God, I don't even know like what was. I don't even know who the big players were in that time. I would just assume it's just the president and the queen. Are there any other royal families of Jackie that time? Jackie Onassis? Are they all dead? Do you think they got Jackie Onassis to give a, a letter to the astronauts? Did she care about space? <laughs> I don't know. Is Marilyn Monroe still alive? Well, ja- I mean, Jackie, that, that's interesting because it wasn't a JFK that like sort of made the vow that they would go to the moon by the mm-hmm. end of the decade. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. So we finally meet, as I mentioned earlier, Liz's other two children. And it seems like her nephew as well. So we finally meet them. No Charles. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit hazy on timeline. Are we going back in time from when Charles gave his speech a little bit? Uh like I'm assuming this is I, happening I, while Charles while Charles is in Wales. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, know. so I, I I wanted to bring this up because like I, I feel like most of Charles's absence in this season up until the previous episode ex- is explained by him being away at university. Um, but this is taking place or like the actual moon landing is taking place in July, summertime. So unless he's doing a summer semester, like where where he at? 
and Anne was there, and she's also in college. So where where yeah, is Charles? The whole Where's Charles? the whole family was gathered around the television except for Charles. He's just after that speech with his mom. He was just like, "I'm never showing up to another family <laughs> event again." But but really, like, what are we to believe he's doing? Is he at like a Shakespeare summer camp? Is he doing you know <laughs> an, an internship? Yeah, is he doing an internship for Goldman Sachs? Like what? What's he up to? He's in Wales. <laughs> no, but there's no, I don't think he's in Wales anymore. Like, I think he is in no, Wales. No, I mean, he went back to Wales and we just never got the title card. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Just perpetually yeah. in Wales. <laughs> that is where I Wales. like the summer. Is he um, doing any military service? I don't know. Oh, good question. Maybe. They don't tell us these things. What What is Charles doing? I would say this, where is Charles? this season of The Crown, I feel like, is much more liberal in like just skipping over things to a degree that I feel like, you know, in the first two seasons, you know, we skipped over some stuff, right? We skipped over like Margaret's wedding. We got right up to it and then just missed it. Um, mm -hmm. But this season we got to know Alice and then we just learned that she dies like <laughs> at the end of the episode. Yeah. And, and then like, you know, the, the following week we meet Dickie and then we haven't really seen much of him. Yeah. Why isn't Dickie either? watching like, the space landing with them? <gasps> I have no Dickie idea. Those two are just off together somewhere, conspiring. Dickie they're, and Charles. They're shopping for new clothes. Yep. They're planning another coup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I want to talk about the, the pivotal scene, I feel, in this episode, which is Philip taking manual control of his airplane and just riding oh. it to the moon. <laughs> oh, my God. If there wasn't another person there, I feel like he would have died. <laughs> okay, so so be completely honest. Like when that scene kind of began and he started, you know, flying higher up toward the moon, did you believe even for a second maybe that he was actually going to try to fly to the moon with that plane? Uh, I think in yeah, I'd buy it again. I think if there wasn't someone else there, he would have done it up until um the the alarm started going off. Cuz this this like for for a second, like I thought, like oh, this is the the scene where you know Philip is exhibiting signs of being mentally unwell and and deciding to do something impossible. Yeah, I mean, if this wasn't the crown, this would be a this would be like one of those scenes in a movie that turns just into sort of like magical realism, and then it's like he is flying to the moon, and he gets there oh in God. his plane, <laughs> and he gets off and walks around. <laughs> I would have loved to see the Boz Lerman directed yeah. version of this episode. Oh my god. Oh, I would have said that's a scene where I wouldn't know if he was gonna die or not. Just one of those Hitchcockian twists where halfway through the episode, um, Philip just <laughs> flies to the moon and dies, and then it becomes about Elizabeth. I imagine imagine if any scene in this episode like put or, or any scene in the show, rather, put one of the main characters in some kind of mortal peril, and we as the audience are like left to wonder, like, oh, oh is Elizabeth going to survive this one? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they need to pick a character that like no one knows anything about, so like we just wouldn't. Dicky, <laughs> Dicky, just Dicky. <laughs> I don't even. I quite frankly, I learned who that man was while watching The Crown. Honestly, like you could probably engineer that scene with Prince Edward, and I wouldn't know for sure. You do it with uh, Harold Wilson, Carlin. Where was your buddy Harold Wilson in this episode? It wasn't British astronauts. What is he <laughs> gonna do? He lost this one. Although I don't really think the British were in the race. So 
is the pound back at value? <laughs> what happened to the pound? No idea. <laughs> Love you, Wilson. I don't know where you are right now. Where's, um... Yeah, I mean, Margaret was also, like, I didn't like that she was kind of there, but didn't get to do it. Like, literally yeah. anything. <laughs> like, what is going on with her? Like, she's a background character at this point. It's so bad. Like, it's Helena Bonham Carter, and she hasn't gotten to have, like, a main episode since the second one. Yeah, I was confused. So her one line in the episode is she looks at this woman, and she's like, please don't tell me you want to talk about children. Was that one of the astronauts' wives? Is that who she I was talking so. to? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, yeah, unless it was just some other guest at the party, at which point it's like, why even include that line? Yeah. You just had to let her say something to give her, like, credit in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> this was her getting her SAG card. Yep. Oh, yep. my God. That's it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, she, again, she probably didn't have a role to play, but, like, underutilized. Like, her saying that one line just made me be like, wow, I wish she would say more lines. <laughs> All right, so the thesis of this episode, and it's cliche, but it's true, never meet your heroes, because Philip has really started idolizing these astronauts. He learns that they're coming to meet them at Buckingham Palace, and he's like, fuck yeah. Um, he <laughs> needs some one-on-one -on -one time with these astronauts to ask them all these questions that he has, not just about the technical aspects of the expedition, but also how it changed and impacted their lives, like what sort of introspection they have as a result of going to space. And yeah, Michael Dean's like, 15 minutes, <laughs> let's go, cram it in. <laughs> I mean, how busy can these astronauts really be? Like 15 really minutes, busy. like what are they doing though? <laughs> but here's the thing, here's the thing. Like, I mean, if I'm putting myself, uh, you know, in the shoes of these astronauts, like, I'm doing this like whirlwind of a world tour. I'm in London for a day or two. I'm being, you know, whisked around all these different places. I only get 30 minutes in Buckingham Palace. Like <laughs> to hell with that. Like I want to spend the afternoon there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, really I would, I would throw out all my Corgi questions in that 30 minutes too then. <laughs> yeah. For real. It's like, you know, for, forget about Big Ben for, forget about Downing Place. Like, yeah, let's just hang with royalty for a, for a day like that. That that I would insist if I were Michael Collins, I would say like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm putting my foot down. Like this is how we're spending the afternoon." In seriousness though, like would you have been able to like just recall Michael Collins unprompted? No. <laughs> he is like the other one. I don't know how that happened. His name isn't it like there's no um it doesn't have a ring to it. The way, so like Neil Armstrong, he was just the most famous. Buzz Aldrin had Buzz in his name, which, mm -hmm. you know, is, is special. Michael Collins. <laughs> it's just a yeah. normal guy name. Like I know a normal guy named Michael Collins. You know a Michael Collins? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like even Buzz Aldrin, I feel like I know him better because he was on 30 Rock. Oh, I was going to say, well, because of the Toy Story character. No, yeah. like it's now much well, easier to recall Buzz Aldrin. Mm -hmm. Poor Michael Collins. <laughs> I know. You did a great job, sir. <laughs> like, I just feel like if you told me that Michael Collins was the bassist in REM, I'd be like, that sounds about right. I mean, Phil Collins, maybe he has a relative that he's once done something with named Michael. Yeah, there's Phil Collins, Lily Collins, and the black sheep of the family, Michael Collins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right, so then they get to the they get to Buckingham Palace. They seem very very impressed. And then are they brought to the room where uh, Alice 
was shoved into. It looks like the same room. Oh, okay. Yeah. It looks Except like the Alice reporter room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're brought there and there's just a surplus of chairs, but they all decide to sit in the same chair. Do you think, do you think that's just like the go-to media room? Like anytime they need to bring some kind of journalist in and, and they want to make them feel small and intimidated, they just bring them into this room that has a, you know, 500 foot tall ceiling. That could be. And when Phil finally meets them, he has all these questions but he gets some performance anxiety. He's like, I can't ask all these questions. <laughs> I really just want to ask you, what were you thinking up there? Um, and the answer is, there was no time for thinking. We just did, did, did. Which, which, like, I feel like that should have come across as perfectly acceptable to a typically pragmatic Philip. Yeah, it really should have. But I was just sitting there the whole time thinking about um, Contact from 1997 and the line where Jodie Foster's up in space <laughs> and she's like, they should have brought a poet. They These space missions, they just don't bring poets. Sorry, Philip. <laughs> it's always nerds. They always bring math nerds. I know. One thing that actually really got me thinking was, so as I mentioned last time, I watched all of season two of Space Force and there was a big emphasis on like <laughs> what this woman would say when she landed on the moon. And that got me thinking, like, do we think that Neil Armstrong came up with this himself or was it like beta tested? They were like, this is what you're going to say when you land. And it's profound. I feel like it. Oh, God. Now you're making me think it was like written down for him. (laughs) I wonder if he came up with it, but like in advance where he was like sitting on the shuttle being like, I have like five minutes. It's go time. I need to say something like, do we think this Neil Armstrong came up with this line. Not this one. Th- probably the Ryan Gosling Armstrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. So did the rest of America. <laughs> um, okay. Wait, go, Sam, uh, like, let's yeah. say I'm giving you like a surprise, like ambush prompt right now. You are stepping off the shuttle onto the surface of the moon. Uh, yeah. The eyes of the world are on you and you have like three seconds to come up with a snappy line. Quick, go. What do you say? Uh, wait. Um, How about like Mars? Somewhere we haven't been. So you get to be the first man on Mars. Okay. Don't complicate the prompt. <laughs> like the whole, the whole point is that this is spontaneous. Top of your mind. Go. Hurry. All right, Harry, um, the view is great from up here. Oh, see, that's they good. They should have brought a poet. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's good. I mean, th- that's, a, that's a headline right there. It's dusty. <laughs> Somebody needs to just say the earth looks ugly from up here. <laughs> and geez, no one could have cleaned up before I arrived. Where's the welcoming <laughs> committee? <laughs> no, no. Imagine if the line had been like, wait, is that the water cooler? <laughs> Please. Oh my god. I guess the earth is probably pretty. I don't know. What if the line is just we have enough fuel to get back, right? <laughs> it just made me very skeptical. I feel like it had to like it had to have been discussed, right? <laughs> Are we allowed to Google that? <laughs> well, they had like what three or four days that they were en route? Like he had some time to think about it. I mean he's probably yeah. I mean, did he know he was gonna be the first one to step off, or was that kind of like a Ah, Neil, go. They rock, paper, rock, scissors. Paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about this. The box. So apparently, unless these astronauts are in a box, they'll immediately catch a cold. 
because yeah. they all have a cold now at the same time. And Philip does not have enough handkerchiefs for all of them. He only has yeah. one. I was surprised that the interview, like, okay, if I'm Philip and you're like, okay, these three men are all just like sneezing. I'd be like, you know what? Maybe we can pass on this interview. But Philip is like, no, the interview is happening. This is my 15 minutes, damn it. He he's not going to let a couple. Yeah, he's not going to let a couple of sneezes get in the way of his dream interview. Yeah, I mean, he has not experienced COVID nineteen. He doesn't have fear in his heart. Yeah, he hasn't he even forgot. experienced COVID sixty nine. Was there a COVID sixty nine? No, probably. <laughs> it just wasn't that important. Yeah, they probably didn't know what it was. They couldn't identify it. Yeah, we get the water cooler story. They think it's hilarious. Philip is like, this is idiotic. And that's really it. I don't know. It's like, again, what is there really to talk about here at the end of the episode? He goes and he's like, yeah, you know what? I need help. Yeah. My mom died and I'm sad. Yeah. Nice note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. I do wish there had been more foreshadowing for Alice, though, because it definitely was just kind of like. Well, it. It's played as a twist because like you, yeah. it, it's not revealed until, you know, seven minutes until the end of the episode that she passed away sometime very recently. And that kind of retroactively explains why he was in a bit of a funk. Yeah, but well, like as a mystery writer, even for your biggest twist, you have to set them up so the reader doesn't, the reader, the viewer doesn't feel cheated. The, the podcast host. I don't feel like I was particularly cheated. She was like 95 years old. Like, I felt cheated, okay? I wanted more. She was like bedridden like, in the past few episodes. Like when Dickie yeah, comes to visit, she doesn't even get out of bed. <laughs> they're all so old. They're like, all old. I'm not like, it's not like she was like a 30 year old woman. And it's like suddenly she's dead. I, I wasn't like shocked by this, by this event. I would have liked more, but that's fine. Like if they came back and they were like, Dickie is dead. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> twist. <laughs> I did not yeah, see that one coming. You can't top Venetia just randomly getting run over. <laughs> oh. Oh my god, what a throwback. All right. Anything else to chat about here? Season three, episode seven. Oh, I really liked the moment where again, this is like if you watch the background characters, because sometimes I try to do that. There's one moment where Philip is like, I don't know, I think he's in awe about the space thing, whatever. And you just see Anne and Margaret like putting party hats onto yes. sleeping Queen Mother's head. <laughs> Those two pranksters. I could have watched I, again, more I, of that. It looked like they put one party hat on and then Margaret was like, do another one. <laughs> I want to know where they put the second party hat. Like, was it like horns or was it like one on top of the other? That reminds me, actually, another thing that I that I saw was that you know, during that initial launch, right? They come up and they're like, what's the perfect food for this event? I know, a spaceship cake and a just mound of jello. <laughs> jello was quite the thing in that time. Like, bo both the jello and the cake looked like really low grade compared to some <laughs> of the other food that's been on the show. I know. Was it like supposed to be like a kid party? Like, yeah, I, yeah, was it like Edward's birthday? I, it looked bad. Even then, that's weak sauce. They couldn't get like a perfect shape cake. Yeah, that's like that's like a Safeway Select cake. But also, I like <laughs> how the kids were just bouncing on those balls the entire time. Hey, I did that as a kid as well. That's a fun no, time. No, it's fun, but I remember my parents would complain about it being too loud. I, I feel like the royals would be complaining about how loud the balls are. 
I mean, also, F- kids Philip having wasn't fun, having weird. it. Yeah. Well, there's like a thousand yeah. rooms. I'm sure they can do it far enough away that will bother but, no but one. But they were in the room. No one was like, hey, kids, get out of here. We're trying to watch this space launch. Philip wanted it both ways. He wanted like everybody there in the room with him, but he wouldn't stand for anybody doing anything other than being quiet and paying attention to the newscast. I, ch- I can't get over the fact that Charles isn't there again. He wasn't there for the video. <laughs> he wasn't there for this. Oh, Charles. I love the moment when Phil meets the Dean and he's like, I don't want to meet the Dean, but the Dean is literally right outside. (laughs) I feel like this has happened to him before. Yeah. Like, why do they, why do they do this to him? They're like, do you want to meet this person? No. Well, he's right outside right now. (laughs) I feel like that's like the sort of thing you probably expressively should not do with a royal (laughs) family member is to like ambush them with an unannounced guest. (laughs) Well, yeah, apparently they can't even handle their own children showing up unannounced. So, yeah, that checks out. I was shocked that they let them wake them up. Like, imagine being woken up for this moon landing. Imagine being the person who has to wake up the queen. <laughs> like, um, your majesty, it's time to wake up for the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jeez. Okay. Shall we talk about some Kinky Crown Award nominees? Yes. All right. I got one. And right. I hate myself for this, but I, 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 I cannot draw some like dark connections between priests and blocked. Oh, you're, you're going with this line. <laughs> it's an academy for blocked mid-level priests. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I know they're not Catholic, but still. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, I thought the um, needing a priest with a little more oomph, some more pep. Oh no. Some more. Zest? Oh no, this is going to be all priests all day. I mean, I have another, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mine, I feel like most of mine are like Philip and space related. Like when they have liftoff, you just zoom in on Phil's face and you're like, oh, he just had a moment. (laughs) Oh my God. So I particularly enjoyed the line where he's like, would you like me to moan and sigh dramatically? I just can't ever take the word moan out of the context of a second. Wait, wait, what scene was that he in? He was like talking to, I. it was either Elizabeth or the Dean where he was like, like they were like, you're not participating in group properly. And he's like, well, what do you want from me? Do you want me to like moan and sigh dramatically of like sadness? <laughs> oh, this is when he was with the priests? I think so. Yeah. Oh, all priests all day. Mm-hmm. And then my last one's also the priests. So. I thought this line was actually... Uh, a fun one. A bunch of navel-gazing underachievers infecting one another with gaseous doom. I think he means... That is a fun line. I think he means gas giants. Boom. Space pun. Oh, <laughs> boom. <laughs> and then my last one was when he was... Again, this is probably supposed to be serious, but it was like when he was like, there have been things I've been doing to try to cope with my life. Some I can't mention in this room. I was like, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, yes. Interesting. We, we could, I mean, that that's the episode that I wanted to see. Oof. Yeah. What's he doing? Huh? Is he still cheating on Elizabeth? Like, I need to know. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll give that one my vote, actually. Like, any anytime somebody makes a reference to them doing things that are unspeakable, like... <laughs> Sam, you vote next. I'm voting for that one just because it's not strictly priest related. That's fair. You and your anti-priest. You know what? I'll I'll vote for that one as well because 
the the under the undercurrent is a little bit kinky. Like, yeah, what was he doing? There, there's an implication there, right? There's definitely an implication there. That was a good like, uh, that was a good eleventh hour nominee. Oh yeah. Um, I guess I'll vote for that one too. I don't have. Yeah. Why you don't not? need to be pressured to vote for that one if you had a strong opinion. Otherwise, I mean, I didn't particularly have the strongest opinion. Otherwise, well, I do like the zest one, but I'll I'll go with the. What was he doing? Because I really want to know. I really want to know. Yeah. Cool. 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 <laughs> I mean, we could have nominated all the astronauts deciding to sit right next to each other rather than in their own separate chairs. They just love each other so much. They just they just really bonded on the on that aircraft, <laughs> the spacecraft. Yep. All right. Cool. So uh, with that, that brings us to a close here on season three, episode seven. And I, I think now that we're done with season seven, we can officially say we are in the home stretch. Season seven. Oh, my God. Of season three. We are officially in the <laughs> we've now we've both done it. We're in the home stretch of yeah. season three, uh, because next week. We'll be talking about season three, episode eight, entitled Dangling Man. And Carlin, asking you shall, uh, you shall receive because okay. Charles is back. Um, Charles. Yes. As Charles begins dating Camilla, Elizabeth considers visiting an ill Duke of Windsor in Paris, whose destiny changed when he met Wallace Simpson. Whoa. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah. That's going to be a big one. So, I mean, we know all about... The Duke of Windsor and Wallace Simpson, thanks to the Madonna-directed film *W.E.*. So, <laughs> I mean, we we know about them for other reasons too. No, but we know even more about them. <laughs> and oh Oscar God. Isaac, <laughs> yep. soon to be in, oh. uh, soon to be. Well, actually, no, it'll be in the Disney Plus series *Moon Knight*. It's all come full circle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Coming soon to paginated media. <laughs> oh, no. Cool. So stay tuned for that next week. In the meantime, Ivan, if people want to connect with you on social about The Crown, where can they do that? They can find me on Twitter at, and this is a real account I checked, at UK Concrete, which is the Concrete Society's official account. <laughs> okay. Uh, Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald and Instagram at Carlin underscore G-E-E. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us, if you have any thoughts, comments, concerns about the podcast or about the crown, is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. Uh, that's all we got for you this time. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week. Peter Morgan did not respond to our request for comment. <laughs>